Hi, this is Curtis, your host of the Mind Over Movie podcast. And guess who's back? That's me, Destiny. And we're joined today by show regular Austin Brishton. Today, we are playing a quick round of Cinephile. We're talking about Christopher Nolan's newest movie, Tenet. And after that, we will be ranking Christopher Nolan's movies. So sit back, relax, grab a snack while we do the talking. Hey. Dude, I'm just doing what the intro said. I'm sitting back, I grabbed a snack, and I'm just letting you do the talking. This is going to be such an exciting day. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of the Mind Over Movie Podcast. Destiny, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back. It's uh, been a while. Episode one. Yes, it's so good to be back. I'm so excited. Austin, great to have you back as well. Thank you. Destiny, have you married Harry yet? <laughs> well, I don't know. I know. You I have think to Destiny secretly has dreams about Harry Potter every night. I am never gonna live this down ever yeah do you hear in her dreams expelliarm this you know who i What's dream it? about it's more robert pattinson cedric dig diggory mm-hmm. hold on tight spider monkey you better hold on tight spider monkey <laughs> that was an awkward part all right before we get into the nitty-gritty of tenet we thought it'd be pretty fun to play a little quick round of the card game Cinephile. Uh, this is something that I've never played. Honestly, I never heard about it, but uh, Austin has graciously given us the opportunity to virtually borrow his card game for this podcast. So thank you, Austin. So essentially how this is going to work is Austin will pick a card. This will be uh, an actor or an actress from there, the next person will select a movie that that actor stars in, and then the next person will select another actor or actress from that movie, and so on. So it'll be a, it'll be a challenge, I, I can imagine, just based on a our, our quick little practice rounds, uh, but should be a lot of fun. So Austin, whenever you are ready, please select a card. All right. The first card that I have drawn here is Keanu Reeves. So I guess we should start with Destiny, ladies first, and then we'll go me and then Curtis and then continue in that cycle. Okay, I'm going to go with Toy Story 4. <gasps> Duke Kaboom. Oh, Duke Kaboom. Oh, 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 rush on. Canada's greatest stuntman. Look who jumped 40 school buses and landed back into my uh, life. I thought that was Keanu Reeves for a second, Austin. Yeah, very, very good. No, I know, I know. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So Keanu Reeves. So I need to name an actor in there. Tom Hanks. 
oh, uh, that's probably probably be a little difficult. Um, Tom yeah. Hanks. Good luck. Hmm. He's a small indie actor. You never heard of him? Yeah, I don't know. I can think of maybe one movie he's in. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of something. Oh that... my goodness! Set the timer. She, he's. Oh, yeah, the timer. That's true. Huh? Not, honestly, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna play that way, then I won't try to name a movie that you can continue playing with. Oh man! All right, Curtis, you got five seconds. Okay, I'll go with Toy Story one. Well, goodness. I think I'm going to go with the Tim Allen. Tim the Tool Man Taylor. Okay, so that means it's my turn. I, I could easily do another one of the Toy Stories, but... But you don't need to go easy on me. No, I know. But I we've kind of already gone down this path in our practice round, so I'm going to do Toy Story 2. <laughs> um, okay, Toy Story 2. And then I'm going to go with John Ratzenberger. The Incredibles. Is he in that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I need to fact check this one. All right, do it. Oh, my goodness. I think he is in I every... think that might be the only one he's not in. I don't remember him in The Incredibles, so. Um, let's see. He is. The Underminer. The Underminer. <laughs> okay, so I need to name an actor from The Incredibles. Um, oh, crap. What's her name? Five um, seconds. Oh, shoot. I know. I can literally picture Two. their faces. One. Sally. Out. Oh, no, hold on. Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt? Yeah. She in that? I yeah, I think she's incredible. the mom. I think she's the mom. Is she? Fact check me, please. What's her name? Elastigirl. Well, it's Holly Hunter. Oh, Holly Hunter. Nope, I'm wrong. Helen Hunt's a totally different actress. I, I'm you out. are not a cinephile. I'm out. I, I always get Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that's true. Honey, where's my <laughs> super suit? It's for the greater good. No, I always get Bonnie Hunt. Helen Hunt, and I can't even, I already forgot her name. Holly Hunt. Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. I get all three of those mixed up all the time. All right, I'm going to go with Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> well, then I'm going to go with um, Star Wars Episode 2. Oh, Attack of the Clones, the worst one. I hate Sam. Uh, then I'm going to have to go with Hayden Christensen, your boy. It's course, and it gets everywhere. Hayden Christensen. So you're going, so I can say Star Wars Episode 3. Mm. Then I'm going to say Anthony Daniels. Who? <laughs> Who does he play? Oh, don't tell her. I'm not telling you. Austin told me not to tell you. She did give you Samuel L. Jackson, so we should probably give her this one. So, um, he he plays C three PO. Oh well, I'm still out because I don't know what other movies. Well, yeah. wait, wait, wait. There Does he go. play in Star Wars Episode Four? He's, I think, the only actor who's in every Star Wars Skywalker movie. 
So you're saying episode four, Star Wars, the original, yes. aka New Hope. Yes. Mark Hamill. Um, <laughs> the Force Awakens. Ooh, he does appear at the very, very end. I gotta go with my boy Adam Driver. <gasps> the Marriage Story. Oh, Scarlett Johansson. Um, Avengers: Infinity War. Avengers: Infinity War. Then I'm gonna go with Mark Ruffalo. The Hulk. Oh no, she she's out. He doesn't have his own Hulk movie. Yeah, he does. No, he does not. Oh. <laughs> the two previous Hulk movies starred Eric Bana and um, Edward Norton as the Hulk. Oh my goodness, I could have just gone with the next Avengers. The show host wins, as it should be. I am the champion. Dang it. Thank you guys. See how he puts down the season regulars? Hey, thanks for supplying the game so that I could win. Let's dive right into the movie discussion of the day. Today we're bringing to you 2020's Christopher Nolan's newest theatrical release blockbuster, Tenet. All I have for you is a word. Tenet. Tenet stars, honestly, two of my favorite actors. First off, the protagonist is played by John David Washington. To do what I do. I need some idea of the threat we face. Who probably recently know him in uh, Black Klansman, a movie that came out in 2018, got a lot of, of good, positive reviews. And uh, outside of Tenet, recently was in a new Netflix original movie, Malcolm and Marie, which I really enjoyed. Also, Tenet stars one of my other personal favorites, uh, Robert Pattinson. Well, I've seen too much. Well, we'll try and keep up. Uh, my, my my movies that I love from Robert Pattinson are quite extensive at this point. I, most recently, The Lighthouse. Regardless of what you think of that movie, if you get that movie, his performance was still excellent. Uh, good time. Of course, he was in The King, The Twilight Saga. We try and forget that. Uh, Remember Me, Water for Elephants. Uh, I'm sure that there's uh, quite a few that I am forgetting, uh, but he also has chosen uh, to go with, go go against the grain, try to leave his Twilight fame and make a name for himself outside of that. And I think for for Robert Pattinson, Tenet was another really good choice uh, of a movie to be in. One movie I'm looking forward to him being in is The Batman. Yeah, I mean, Robert Pattinson has been, ever since the Twilight series, which he has vocally not been a fan of, he has been really trying to distance himself from that label and being typecast as the, you know, sparkly vampire lead heartthrob. And he's taken on some, you know, interesting roles, to say the least, where he's always kind of hiding behind some makeup, big costumes, or, you know, a, a very unique accent but i think his acting has just improved um you know steadily throughout the years i remember i just recently watched remember me uh i think it was 2009 so while he was doing uh twilight still 
And I thought his acting was okay in that. You know, I, I didn't think it stood out to me or was anything special. And, you know, watching some of the movies that you mentioned, Curtis, recently within the past few years, like, you know, Good Time, The Lighthouse. And, you know, those are some bizarre roles, but I think it, it shows his range and his ability. And I'm excited to see what it, what he does next, especially in the Batman role. Now, I do want to shout out and I hope that Tenet is the coming out party for Elizabeth Debicki. I thought she was awesome um, in Tenet. And I never, it's on my watch list and I really want to see it is Widows. I heard she was really good in that as well. Uh, so I really hope that we see her in some more stuff too. Most definitely. She was also in The Great Gatsby and Guardians 2. And yeah, I, I definitely was really, really impressed by her performance. Uh, she she found a way to to really almost steal the show in in scenes that she was a part of and a character that in the beginning I I didn't expect to root for as much as I did. Since this movie has been out since uh, I think September of last year, I think it's okay that we can go into this discussion, uh, you know, filled with spoilers. So if you haven't seen Tenet, I recommend you go watch it uh, and and. If if you are uh, afraid of hearing this for any sort of spoilers, please stop listening because uh, we're not going to try to tiptoe around any uh, potential spoilers here in this discussion. Uh, but her performance, arguably, you know, even though she's not the protagonist, even though she's not Neil, her her part is so big in the success of the mission and saving the world. And I thought that she really stepped up and, and I agree she her, her performance was excellent. And Kenneth uh, Branagh, I think is is how it's pronounced, uh, who plays Sater, um, Andre Sater. We know him from Dunkirk, Gilderoy Lockhart and Harry Potter, the Avengers Infinity War. So he's definitely a familiar face to me, not somebody that I had recognized originally on the screen, but also really stole stole the movie. I found it to be, you know, a really good back and forth. You can really tell these actors had a lot of good chemistry. And that's actually against some of the criticism that I've I've heard about this movie since it came out is that a lot of the critics uh, or viewers found that, especially John David Washington and Robert Pattinson, that they didn't have chemistry and it was very obvious. And And I have to disagree 100%. I fell in love with their relationship and the mission and the ending just gave me the chills both times I saw it in theaters. Yeah, I'd say I really like Kenneth Branagh and he's been in, um, he, I think he's a stage actor. He's been in a lot of, you know, really good movies more than what you just mentioned there too. And I think he's been directing a lot of movies recently as well. Um, particularly one of the bigger ones he's directed recently is murder on the Orient express. And he's directing, uh, the next one in that as well, which I believe is death on the Nile. So I'm excited for those. Uh, actually his performance to me took me out of it. Sometimes I feel like it was a little too much, you know, I know he's a British actor. So him trying the whole Russian thing sometimes didn't really work for me. Sometimes it did. So, I really like him as an actor. I just, I don't know if, if I think having an authentic Russian born actor of some kind, I think maybe would, would have been a little bit more believable for me. Uh, but I think, you know, I could see the case being pro Kenneth Branagh as well. It's just kind of on the fence for me. So you weren't a fan of the accent? Is um, what you're saying? 
I don't know. I think it was just the whole persona, the whole Russian mobster terrorist. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't place my finger on it exactly. I think it was partially the accent for sure. Uh, I just. I guess I didn't believe Kenneth Branagh entirely in that part. I would like to make sure I correct myself when I. I think I said he was British, uh, but it looks like he was. He plays a lot of British roles, but I think he was born in Ireland. So honestly, I don't know what his maybe I might not know what his real accent sounds like. I think it should be noted, too, that I'm not as high on Tenet as you are. I I liked it and I enjoyed it. I think you gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd. I gave it four stars, but I could I could see myself putting it down to three and a half. I actually enjoyed the movie a lot. It took me a lot to understand the movie. I did a lot of research after the movies. I rewatched it, but I do like it. I I think I like it because it made you think and it made you like have to pay attention. You couldn't I don't know, which sounds weird because I like movies where I don't need to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you went to the restroom during Tenet, you're out of luck. Yes. And I told my parents to go see it. And I said, you can't fall asleep. Like, if you (laughs) fall asleep during this movie, you're not going to know one thing that's going to happen. I think it's important to note, we went and saw Tenet. It was the first movie that Destiny and I saw in theaters after everything had reopened. And it was almost like I was twisting her arm to go see this movie. I'm like, come on. It's Christopher Nolan movie. It's it's tenet. It looks awesome. It has John David Washington. Um, it has Robert Pattinson. You love Robert Pattinson. Come on, let's go to th- the theater and, and go see this. And after like the first, I don't know, twenty minutes, she she has had leaned over and told me probably about twenty times, I don't get what's going on. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say after the first twenty minutes, I was like, thanks for bringing me because no, <laughs> the whole probably the whole first half i'm like this is stupid i don't get what's happening it's confusing i don't like it i should have stayed home like i wanted but once they went into that blue and red room and like time started going backwards that's when it kind of hooked me and i'm like okay i i can i got this now and destiny you were not alone with the confusion i was feeling the same exact thing as you i got like 15, 20 minutes in and I was like, did I miss something? I'm like, what is happening right now? And then, yeah, slowly as the movie unfolds, we kind of start to pick up the pieces of the puzzle and put everything together. And I think right around that same time that you're talking about is is when everything starts to kind of come together and it just you know kind of takes you on the ride from there. I think we should also note too that, yeah, returning to the movie theaters back in September, we live in Arizona where things were a little bit more relaxed than other places. And we made sure that we researched our our local movie theaters to see what type of safety precautions they were taking. And I think they did a, a good enough job for us to feel safe to go to the movies. And also too, the movies weren't very packed in the first place. Uh, so it, all in all, I mean, I know us three, um, we, we felt comfortable going to the movie theaters. And I think I still do uh, to this day because I think our local movie theater that we really enjoy, Harkins, they do a really good job even before the pandemic of keeping their theaters clean. So that was a great job that Harkins you know, had that reputation even prior to the pandemic because then their customers that knew that about them before 
that means when they reopened, I think they did, you know, had that reputation of feeling safer in terms of cleanliness, you know, after everything reopened as well. I felt so comfortable that I went and saw a tenant the next day again. (laughs) And this time you came in your robe and your slippers with my, with my pipe. Oh yes. Mm, Indubitably. So back to my confusion after the whole orchestra and then they captured him and then he's like tied up with a train station. I'm like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) Like, I did not get that. I'm like, what's going on? Even the second time I watched it, I'm like, I still don't get this. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I'm sitting there in the movie theater and I know exactly what is going on within the first 25 minutes. I, I don't I, and I can't say that anybody who saw this movie the first time knew what was going on in the first 25 minutes. And that's OK. That wasn't the plan. This movie is designed so that about halfway through you're searching on the ground and you're finding the missing pieces of the puzzle that have fallen down that now we're trying to piece together. We are going to revert back in time and see things that the first time didn't make sense. Now it's going to make sense. And that's why going, going to the theaters the next day, I enjoyed this movie probably even more just because I was able to take myself out of that initial uh, first half of the movie where I was very confused. I knew I liked what I saw. I thought there were some really good scenes when Neil met the protagonist, when they did the bungee jumping to the the towards the top of the building, uh, the music. I was I was very captured by everything, and I wasn't gonna let the confusion take away from the experience on my first viewing because I trusted Christopher Nolan. This this isn't my first Christopher Nolan experience, and this isn't the first movie like this from him. So I I trust the guy. I knew by the end of the movie, I would understand what was going on at least enough to, on a second watch, be able to piece hopefully everything together. This movie is so layered that even on the second watch, I don't feel like I pieced everything together. But that's okay. For me, that's where it gets the additional rating. If I'm sitting here and I'm trying to really understand what everything is about, we've, we've talked a little bit about the layering and going back in time. You know, there's a, there's a few different timelines happening here, and these characters are existing two, three, potentially up to six times for Neil at one point in this movie within, within the same time frame. So there really is a lot to piece together, and I don't fault either of you for for feeling that way in the beginning because I was there too. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, going along with a lot of the other Nolan movies that he really likes to manipulate time and mess with time in some capacity. And I think the only time he doesn't really, sorry, no pun intended, I think the only time he doesn't really, you know, kind of use that as a trope in his movies is the, the, the Dark Knight trilogy. I, I think for... almost everything else it has something to do with time or uh you know the past or you know something like that where it's not as linear of a story and he that's just kind of his trope you know his signature on, uh, on film and not only that but like you mentioned with the bungee jumping and just the practical effects of everything and you know he he really doesn't want to use cgi and that's one of the things i respect about him the most and one of the things that i enjoyed the most about this movie was yeah the cgi the assault at the end with the big battle sequence and the the fighting where you can tell that the person 
actually isn't being played backwards. It's someone who's trying to walk backwards and speak backwards. And the fact that he tries to do everything practically as much as he can is is so entertaining to watch. I'm an old school horror guy and 80s horror for me, a lot of the charm is the practical effects. And I'm so glad you bring up that point. That is definitely one of the things about any of Christopher Nolan's movies that really stand out and probably why he is one of my favorite directors, because he doesn't rely on CGI like, you know, the Michael Bay's of the world. What we're seeing is is well planned out. You know, these are in camera effects that have been plotted by choreographers, of course, the way that he wrote the movie. Everything has to be calculated in the moment, even before it's filmed, by putting themselves mentally in the editing bay. Because in in the editing bay, this is where a lot of this uh, really comes together. I think one other really awesome theme of this movie is the use of colors. Uh, Of course, the red and the blue, uh, those are big indicators at which direction people are going in regards to, you know, moving forward or, or moving backward. And there's a lot of things that even on my third viewing last week that I was noticing for the first time, uh, I think it was one of the scenes when they are going to steal the artwork and there's a panel that kind of foreshadows the first time that we're going to experience that device that they can go through to reverse uh, themselves in time. And there's a panel on the wall and one side is red and one side is blue. So it's different visual cues like that, that I find extremely appealing. And um, even little things like when, when the protagonist is brought onto this mission, he is introduced to a hand gesture of, of, uh, entwining your fingers and the word tenet. And I guess I was so lost in what was happening on my first two watches that I totally didn't even notice. Destiny can attest. I, I had to pause the movie and I'm like, did you see that? He just, he just put his fingers together when, when they said tenet. And I I don't understand how I missed that. Austin, I don't know if you noticed that in the first two viewings, but there was three or four different moments in the first 40 minutes of the movie where they're using that as a password um, in order to either gain access to something or uh, reveal their identity to have a conversation. Yeah, I rewatching it the second time, I definitely picked up more on some of the breadcrumbs that you know he lays down which he does on a lot of his movies you know kind of foreshadowing what's going to happen later on and using something early in the movie uh you know throughout the rest of the story that you don't notice the first time because you obviously don't know what's going on so when you re-watch his films you can pick up on a lot of different um, pieces like that another interesting thing when i was watching youtube videos about tenet because when I like a movie, I like to research it. When you go bungee jumping, you go down. But when they bungee jumped, they went the opposite way and they went up. So that was another foreshadow of time, which I thought was very interesting. So some of the things that I know we already talked about Kenneth Branagh's performance that took me out of it. And some of the things that 
you know, have it not as high for me. Um, you know, I have it at four stars could go down to three and a half for me is the depth of the characters, um, and the emotional stakes at play. I feel like they're very, very much lacking. I mean, we don't have any relationship to John David Washington's character, you know, really at all. Uh, we don't know anything about him. Same thing with Robert Pattinson. All we really know is that them two are friends in the future. Uh, the only real emotional stakes at play in the entire movie is Elizabeth Debicki is trying to save her son from world annihilation and from the evil grasps of Sater, the Russian mobster terrorist. So for me, out of a lot of Nolan's movies, this is something that he's been um, criticized for in the past. And I think this is where it's probably at its worst in terms of all of his films is, yeah, it's a really fun romp. You know, there's a lot of action, amazing set pieces. The music we haven't even talked about is incredible by Ludwin, uh, Ludwig Gorenson. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and, you know, the cinematography, like you mentioned from Hoyt von Hoytma, it's just, you know, technically amazing. Uh, it's just, I think the script in terms of the character development, you know, the backstories, the emotional part, you know, there's not much for me there to relate to, and there's no stakes for me with individual characters other than a tiny bit with Elizabeth Debicki. And I think it's harder too when we don't really know exactly what's going to happen when they put all of the pieces together of this secret code password, you know, world annihilation. But again, I don't really have any attachment to these characters. So it, it, that's the part to me that I, I wish there was more of. But I think it was going to be hard for him to fit that in with how much explaining of the story he had to do and all the exposition he had to put in. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good point that you make. And and he, Christopher Nolan, even goes as far as to not even name John David Washington's character. He is the protagonist. So we have a main character that is nameless. And and I think you make a good point in saying that there is a lot going on in what is already a very long movie. I think it's roughly two and a half hours for us to be able to become invested in these characters while still going on what I consider to be a bit of a roller coaster throughout this, throughout the course of this film, I value your point and, and I see what you're saying. But for me personally, I felt enough. I felt enough. I felt invested enough in the characters where everything played out. We're at the, the final scene and it is revealed that Neil was the one who went back in time and initially saved the protagonist in the very beginning scene from the opera. And this is revealed by a little uh, piece of metal, a, a little pennant or whatever, hanging from his backpack. Um, it is then later pieced together that he actually went back in time to pick the door so that they could be successful at this mission. And while, while that happens at the end of the movie, and there really is no investment in the character. The fact that he is so in tune and dedicated to the success of this mission to me is enough. Um, and the little dialogue that they have at the very end about, you know, this is the only the beginning. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. It's taken from Casablanca. For me, that's enough. I like, I like the mystery. 
I don't I don't necessarily need and maybe that's the horror fan in me. Um, I'm not a fan of horror movies where you are shown the bad guy uh, in the first 30 minutes. You know, I like it to be a mystery. And for me, I think looking back at the motives, the motivation for Neil uh, to help the protagonist in this mission uh, kind of kind of lays in in a sense of wonder in speculation. Is Neil the boy? Is he Max in the future? And of course, that's me adding something onto the movie that may not exist, and and that's okay. Part of the joy of cinema is that you can make a movie what you will. Meaning in this case, Maximilian, if you take the last four letters of his name and reverse that, spells Neil. And there's some other parallels with the fancy school that he goes to and the knowledge that Neil has in the future around what is going on here? What is what is at play as far as like, I think is astrophysics or something, some crazy, some crazy knowledge that he has. And the like his hair looks similar. I feel like these are just very small things that is kind of a nod to the audience. Like, maybe there's some more depth here. I do agree with Austin. I like a movie where you have background of your people suck it, and Curtis. I, <laughs> but I do also like some type of mystery where was Neil the son? And I do like to believe also that Max, the protagonist, recruited Max when he got older to help save it the mission, the world, the world. When Kat almost dies, Neil heals, like, fixes her up, and he kind of took her under his wing. And I feel like that's what any son should do for their mother. But also, that's my little imagination going, hoping that that would be a cute ending. Yeah, I don't buy it. I'm not in. <laughs> I'm not in on this fan theory. So Austin provided his rating. Uh, I think you said four stars, but could be three and a half. Is that correct? No, I said four stars that could go down to three and a half. Okay. Uh, I'll stand with four and a half. Uh, by far my favorite movie of 2020 so far. Uh, I know that could change as I'm watching some Oscar, potentially Oscar nominated movies here coming up. I would, if I had a letterbox, which I do, but I don't post. <laughs> I would probably put it at four stars as well. You know, like when you sit on a movie and it's like, I liked it. And then the next day it's like, no, I did like it. I really did. That's how I kind of felt. But halfway through the movie, I'm like, this is dumb. I don't get it. But I really like a movie where I can do research when I get home. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if a movie can resonate for you to... Uh still think about it the next day. I think it, it's done its job. And uh tenant for me definitely was that again, I saw it the next day just because I loved it. And I agree. The score is fantastic. The song that, that really, I mean, there's a lot of really good scores in this movie. The one that I just really love is when the airplane crashes into that building. There's something about that score. It is so big. It, it is like the airplane. I, I thought it was perfect, and and that's done so well throughout the entire film. So for me, 
just to agree with destiny the next day as i'm consistently thinking about this through the day re-watching the trailer watching other people kind of talk about um some fan theories potentially uh but also just some analysis of the movie i i really found myself to get even more lost into the different timelines and and uh character motivations and what what's really driving this how is this mission how how is the world going to be saved and um i i am gonna i have to stay at a four and a half so thus concludes our discussion of christopher nolan's tenet we're going to take a little brief intermission here Uh, go ahead and get up refresh your snack use the restroom and uh we'll be right back with you back from the intermission we are going to jump right back into the world of christopher nolan uh we are going to be ranking our top five favorite christopher nolan movies starting us off will be austin so we're gonna we're gonna round robin this austin will go first with his number five destiny and then myself and we'll we'll see how this goes so austin what is your fifth ranked Christopher Nolan directed movie. My fifth ranked movie from Christopher Nolan is the 2014 space epic interstellar. Uh, I remember, I remember very specifically seeing this movie in theaters. I think I had a similar experience to tenant where I saw it once. And then the next day I saw it again and I remember the, the second time I brought my brother who was seeing it for the first time and we left the theater <laughs> and my brother is like walking out of the theater with this super confused look on his face. And he starts kind of like, like slowly, like touching the walls and like grazing his hands up against the doors. And he's like, is this real? Where am I? <laughs> and I, I, I just remember laughing and I'll always have that. But Interstellar. I mean, I know that you guys most likely will touch on it too, but it, it's it's what you want in a space epic, in my opinion. Um, I know it gets um, kind of put in the conversation with Gravity a lot because they came around came out around the same time. I prefer Interstellar over Gravity. Uh, I think it, you know, traveling to different planets and you know Christopher Nolan trying to use the practical effects as much as possible. And this is one of Nolan's movies where we have the emotional connection with the characters, you know, more um, than some of his other films. And so when we, you know, get the scenes with Matthew McConaughey watching his children back on the video and the cry, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And then also too, you know, later in the movie, when I remember, you know, the, they finally get to the planet with the scientist on it and you know the pod starts opening up because he's been in hypersleep and i remember thinking you can only partially see his face at first and i was like that guy looks like matt damon and then matt damon emerges from this coffin and i'm like what the heck i know i didn't see him in any of the marketing material and that was done on purpose to kind of kind of 
throw you off the scent a little bit at the end. And yeah, I, I think he was on Ellen once and he almost spoiled it and they had to bleep it out or edit it in some way so that it wasn't revealed. I, or, or Matthew McConaughey said something. Yeah, one of the other actors had said something in an interview and it had to be edited out of the show uh, per contract. Yeah, that's crazy. And and it's not it's funny, too, because I feel like it's not that like a spoiler to have him in it. It was just kind of interesting to like have this crazy, famous top build actor appear in like 30 minutes of this movie. Uh, but overall, I mean, the score is so memorable. The from Hans Zimmer, I've just kind of thrown the the score on in my car sometimes just driving around. And I, I, I think the different layers to, you know, I, I think you kind of spoke on it earlier, too. I don't even know if I fully understand. The story, you know, with with everything going on, and I think that's why it's so so much fun revisiting it because it's so it's such an entertaining ride throughout the whole movie. And then you kind of pick up more and more each time. Um, you know, I could see this moving a little bit higher on my list, but I think number five or, you know, four for me is where it would stay. But yeah, I, I really, really, I mean, I know number five makes it seem like it's not highly ranked, but I think for me, like the top, there's a big gap for me from the top, five or six Nolan movies compared to the remaining four or five. Um, so number five for interstellar for me is still like an amazing movie. Okay. So interstellar, I can't remember if I saw it in theaters. I want to say that was a no, I didn't. And it again was another movie that Kurt told me, watch it. You're going to love it. I, you're you're going to love this movie. It's like one of my favorite movies and i'm like mm, yeah probably not i don't think i'm gonna watch it i should just go watch harry potter or you know father of the bride one of my normal movies i like to watch where where is um interstellar on your list destiny um interstellar would be ranked number two whoa dang i do like interstellar a lot um Again, it's like Tenet. I sat through half of the movies thinking, I don't get this. I don't get this time concept. I don't get what are they doing. And it was another movie that I got to dig deeper and do a lot of research in. And I enjoyed it. The music, I will add, is amazing. Sometimes Kurt and I will be driving and... We will just put that on. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, I guess, climax prematurely on this one, but Interstellar. (laughs) (laughs) But I get Uh, it. I'm going to have to give my number one spot, which is Interstellar. Interstellar, my my number one favorite. Christopher Nolan, Nolan title. And I'm going to venture back to, to the days of old and uh, back, I remember seeing this. No, not in theaters. It was one of those one of those movies that you watch later on, and you really regret not having the opportunity to go see it in theaters. And I remember when it came out, and I was like, "Eh, this is another space movie." I I felt at the time, and you didn't um, see this in theaters. No, I, I <gasps> saw this for the first time on my fifteen uh, inch MacBook oh. <laughs> in a dark office. No, yeah. So very unfortunate for me, and this is especially now when the the theaters are trying to draw people back 
I, I would really like, and Austin, if you ever hear of this, if they re-release this in theaters, even if it's for a weekend, this is kind of on my movie theater bucket list. I, I really want to go see this in the theaters. So with all that being said, even though the experience wasn't ideal and, and I didn't see this in the cinema, this movie just swept me away. Now, this is a movie similar to ones we've mentioned in previous episodes that just totally caught me off guard. I went into this not expecting this kind of experience. Everything that Austin and Destiny have said so far, I, I agree with 100%. I think Matthew McConaughey, um, all of the actors, excellent. The The emotional feelings that you get when he comes back from that planet and he lost, I think it was how many, like seven or eight years or something. And he's seeing his kids age with, for him, it was like three or four hours and he, and he sees their age and, and they give him an update and eventually uh, he meets his grandkids through the video or sees them through the video. And it, it's just so mind blowing and it's done so perfectly that you, you feel for Matthew McConaughey and, and I guess being a father is, is part of that, but everything is, is so t is, is tied together so perfectly with Hans Zimmer's score. Every song is memorable. Everything is so epic. The intensity that is, is captured throughout the whole movie. I, I don't think really there's a dull moment that I can recall. Uh, the ending when when Matthew McConaughey sees his daughter on on her deathbed after going on this mission, the the Matt Damon reveal. I knew in that moment he was going to be a bad guy. By the way, I, I know that really really irks you, Austin, but I knew I knew he was destined to be a baddie. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is in Interstellar, and look look where he's at now. He's doing uh, Chrysler commercials for the Super Bowl. And uh, Dune, which is going to hopefully be great. So on top of a young Timothy Chalamet, we have Jessica Chastain, Anne Hathaway, Michael Caine, Casey Affleck, 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 who, by the way, is in one of my other favorite movies of all time, A Ghost Story, John Lithgow, Wes Bentley, American Beauty, Hunger Games, Topher, Topher Grace. That 70s show. Oh, I forgot Topher Grace is in Interstellar. Yeah. So my number four would actually be A, Dark Knight Rises, the third installment of that trilogy. A, Dark Knight, which one? A, Dark Knight or The Dark Knight? It's or The Dark Knight Rises, but... You know, who's, who's paying attention? <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises. All right, I got to um, do my Bane impressions. Hold on. <clears throat> Awesome city. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. What will break first? Your spirit or your body? I think that's all I got. Oh my goodness, we got the main actor here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we tricked ya. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. Also, for anyone who doesn't know what I look like, I'm as ripped as Bane. 
No. Carry on. Austin looks like the dude in WandaVision and that Geico commercial. Oh, I do look like him. Holy crap. Yeah, that's my doppelganger. I love that Batman trilogy. And when Barbara Pattinson comes out with his Batman, he has big shoes to fill because I love Christian Bale as Batman. I don't even, I mean, about the Dark Knight Rises. It's good. It's fast paced. There's a few things in the beginning I wasn't fond on. Like what? You know, I was just waiting for Batman to get in and suit back up. So who would have thought Miranda Tate was actually the bad guy? Mind blowing. I was like, no, they were supposed to fall in love. They had sex. But They made sweet love. <laughs> in fact, they did. Right by the fireplace. Yes. Good memory. He stuck it in her and then later on she stuck a knife in him. That is a fact. But what I really do enjoy is when they are looking at the Batmobile and they saw that the autopilot was repaired by Bruce Wayne. And that just shows like he ejected. And then you see him in Paris and with Michael Caine. Shocker that he's in that. You see him and they do their little nod like... You did live a happy life. And Michael Caine can die eventually at peace knowing Bruce Wayne found love again. That was one part I loved. And the second part I loved when is when um, Robin was getting his stuff, the police officer. And she said, you should use your real name, Robin. Spoiler alert, The Dark Knight Rises is not in my top five. And I think primarily for a reason that you touched on, Destiny, a little bit at the the slow parts of how it takes so long for Bruce Wayne to kind of become Batman again. I think if you really look at it, I mean, what is he Batman for this movie for like only 30 percent of it? I mean, most of it is him kind of broken down with like a broken leg or a broken back. And it's primarily just Bane wreaking havoc over Gotham. And then, you know, we get a little Selena Kyle sprinkled in, but yeah, there's, I think Batman is missing from a lot of this movie. And that's one of the reasons why I, I don't have it in my top five. So the dark Knight rises for me, uh, sits in the number five slot and to, what uh, Destiny's point was that Austin echoed, I will also echo. I thought that um, outside of the initial Bane sequence in the very beginning, I thought that it was uh, very slow throughout throughout the, the remaining part of the movie with Batman and him being broken and a sad, sad little boy. However, I, I did really enjoy Tom Hardy. I thought that he had really big shoes to fill with being the villain of this movie. And uh, obviously we know the impact that Heath Ledger's Joker has had on our, our uh, culture um, from a pop culture perspective. And I think he delivered and was a, was a uh, valid adversary to Christian Bale's Batman. Uh, another name that I did want to mention, just because I'm not typically a fan of her roles was Anne Hathaway. I thought she did a really good job as a uh, Selena Kyle, um, uh, AKA Catwoman. Yeah. I th the, for me, the best part of this movie 
is when Ben Mendelsohn is like talking down to Bane and he's like, uh, he's like, I'm in charge. Like nobody go anywhere. And all Bane does is just turn around and rest his hand on Ben Mendelsohn's shoulder. And he's just like, do you feel in charge? And then, and then Ben Mendelsohn's like, we paid you a lot of money. And Tom Hardy's like, and this gives you power over me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Bane's about to snap this dude's neck with like the back of his hand. This is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think Tom Hardy for me makes this movie. Um, I, I do enjoy it. It is low on my, on my list, but I think Tom, like without Tom Hardy, if you know, he doesn't give this memorable fun performance as Bane, um, I think there would be a giant hole in this movie for sure. My number five would be The Prestige, and if you guys haven't seen it, I recommend it. It is a good movie. It's another one of those movies you have to follow, but it was very interesting, and at least it made my list. I think I remember watching that. for the. I think I've only seen it once, but I remember watching it, and I fell asleep for maybe five minutes, and that's don't think that the ending impacted me as much don't look at me like that destiny we were at chase and emily's and i fell asleep on the floor curtis is it in your top five it is not in my top five no this is shameful this list is broken your guys's lists are broken the prestige is my number one it is his best movie now, I wouldn't say by far because it's very close for me with The Dark Knight. Those kind of swap every now and again for me. The Prestige is incredible. I would say it's almost as perfect as you can get a movie. It is on my top 100. It is number four. And the fact that you don't even have it in your top five and said you fell asleep during it, <laughs> it hurts me. Guy? It hurts my soul. I, okay, so I guess I'll have the conversation about how amazing The Prestige is. This is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I actually discovered it um, a, way past when it was released. I think I watched it for the first time when I was around like 21, 22 years old, somewhere in that range, maybe maybe a little sooner. So you know, way after it was released, I, ne- I don't remember having a single conversation in my life about The Prestige. Like I don't know many people who have seen it, and yet, to me, it's his best movie. First off, we have two, you know, A-list, you know, Oscar, well, one's Oscar winning, one should have won an Oscar, um, actors and Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. And then we also get Scarlett Johansson before she starts blowing up. Also, Rebecca Hall, Michael Caine. I mean, it's just an amazing cast. But the mystery behind the movie, the, the cinematography, I just have so many images from this movie just ingrained in my brain like when they go out to the 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 laboratory where they where they meet David Bowie's character and we have the light bulbs you know grow, glowing uh from the ground it's just incredible uh the non-linear storytelling where we're, we're kind of in three different timelines all at once going through you know um someone's memoir to another person's memoir and then real time. And it's, it's, you know, to destiny's point, it can be a little bit confusing to follow sometimes. So I think multiple rewatches are required to fully understand everything, but just this rivalry between two magicians, 
it's just so interesting. I'd never seen another movie like it. And I think it's funny too, because I think the prestige came out in the theaters around the same time. Another magician movie came out the illusionist with Edward Norton, which I haven't fully seen. So I can't speak to that, but I don't know a lot of other movies that are centered around magicians um, in this way that can, that is so compelling. And so I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm kind of at a loss for words with how low it is on your lists that I can't even think straight. <laughs> hey, at least it made my list. Barely. <laughs> I can only choose five. So my number four slot goes to a movie that uh, I admittedly I've only seen once. And this was right around the time that it came out. Um, so this was about 10 years ago. I don't think I saw it the year it came out. I think it was a year after, um, kind of after the hype had settled down a little bit, but it was, you know, enough for me to, um, really be drawn into seeing it. And this is before I really got into movies as much as I am now. Um, my number four is Inception. (gasps) Same. Oh, twinsies. Four twins. Four Ooh. twins. That doesn't make sense. Um, Triplets. <laughs> but yes, Inception is also my number four. Yeah, there's uh, the the performance by Leonardo DiCaprio. And um, even 11 years later, there's there's a lot of iconic imagery in this movie. This is one where Nolan had to use CGI, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, with I know he had a lot of practical things in this movie. But with like the folding of the city, you know, that I'm assuming is CGI unless it's some extremely fancy camera work. You know, the images of uh, the, the dreidel at the end, the images of his wife and kids by the lake, you know, those are images that are just ingrained in my mind. Similar to you, Austin, with the prestige, those, even though I've only seen this movie once and it also deserves a revisit. Um, just because it is a classic of, of the 2010s, um, it, it is a masterpiece and uh, deserves a rewatch for me. Yeah. I mean, this was Tom Hardy's coming out party as a superstar. Before this, he was kind of doing very um, uh, like character actor type work and smaller movies like Bronson and or like supporting roles. And so for him to show up in this and kind of just, you know, blow everyone away, you know, and, and the charming kind of bond esque, uh, sidekick in, in this, you know, it was, it was cool to kind of see him for the first time. And then also, you know, see him and so many interesting things over the next 10 years for me, I just want to make sure I, I note this is kind of like tier B Nolan for me. Um, it, I, I kind of, for my tier B Nolan, I have, inception interstellar and memento and so you know which it's still you know tier b for nolan is really good um so i agree with everything that you said curtis now i remember and i could see this moving down my list actually because i think each time i rewatch it i think i like it a little less because there's so much exposition in the movie that after you've seen it so many times and understand the plot and what's going on and everything with the dreams and everything that having to hear it so much every time you rewatch it, it's a little tiring. 
and kind of annoying. And there's actually a joke, I think, on the Internet of how many times Ellen Page asks a question in this movie. Um, So I could see it moving down my list, but I remember at the time seeing this for the first time and, you know, never seeing anything like this before. Um, Just, you know, how fun of of an experience this was and still is it still is a lot of fun to 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 rewatch and i'm with you curtis you know i think that's why we probably agree with it sitting at number four so curtis what is your number three my number three christopher nolan directed movie uh one that doesn't need to be talked about too much especially in this episode is uh none other than tenet twinsies (gasps) that's your number three as well it did not make my top five. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's in, I think, tier B, Nolan, maybe tier C. Yeah, just for everything that I did mention earlier, I, this definitely is top three Nolan for me. Uh, it, it's impacted. And and don't get me wrong, revisiting the prestige and, and revisiting Inception, this list could be moving. You've inspired me, Austin. But for for today, I I do have to put Tenet in the three spot. So, Austin, what is your number three? My number three, to me, this is where tier A, Nolan, starts. And so my top three, to me, are like very close together. Like it could be looked at as like 1A, 1B, 1C. And my number three is Christopher Nolan's World War II epic, Dunkirk. I love Dunkirk. I am going to get even more flustered when you have to talk about Dunkirk because for though we talked about it, Curtis and I talked a little bit earlier before the pod, Dunkirk is Curtis's number 10 last place movie from Christopher Nolan. And I can see why if he's only seen it once, because the first time I saw it in the movies, I kind of felt a little underwhelmed because I think I went in expecting something different. I think I went in expecting something more saving private Ryan World War II esque. Um, So when, you know, I leave Dunkirk and you don't see a single German soldier for almost the entire movie, I'm kind of left with, oh, you know, that was kind of weird and kind of odd. Like that was not what I was expecting. And then I rewatched it one day at home by myself with my AirPods in. So I have this kind of immersive sound experience. And I remember being on like the edge of my seat, like feeling like an hour and 40 minutes just flew by. And I just remember being so amazed with what I just saw and the fact that he put this together. And now this is where going back to, um, you know, the tenant conversation a little bit where there isn't a lot, uh, there isn't like almost any, um, emotional, you know, background between some behind some of these characters. I know our protagonist in, uh, Dunkirk, I don't even think we, he has a name really. Um, but my boy, Harry Styles is in this shout out best musical artist on the planet. Um, so yeah, I mean, we don't really, I don't even know if he has a name or, and if he does, it's, you know, only said a couple times. So we don't really get a lot of backstory with those guys, but where we do get the emotional tie-in is with the civilians of, of England, you know, coming to the rescue of the soldiers that are trapped on Dunkirk. 
And, and the fact that it's not just the soldiers of England that are helping trying to win this war, that it's even civilians, just regular everyday people, you know, coming together and banding together to to help, you know, survive and, and, and help each other out. And so that's, you know, that um, that emotional part of the movie really hits for me. And also too, just the suspense throughout the movie. I mean, Hans Zimmer in his score uses a stopwatch throughout almost the entire movie as if to say there's only so much time left that these soldiers have on this beach before they're dead or captured. And I mean, we start the movie off immediately with suspense. I mean, we start with our main character taking a trying to take a dump this poor guy is trying to take a dump in the middle of the street and the germans start opening fire on his squad and he has to run away and that's just kind of a funny little storyline throughout the movie is that he's constantly trying to poop and he can never find time to do it because he's constantly being attacked or finding something else to do um but what's that poor little fella i know yeah i've never seen it he was he was prairie dogging the whole time I just, I, there are so, now what really hits for me in this movie is the practical effects. There's so many scenes where, you know, since we don't, and actually I think I wrote this in my review on Letterboxd. Now, since we don't get that emotional backstory or any backstory between these characters, I think it really allows us to project ourselves onto these young men. I mean, I, I am a young man. So for me being able to easily project myself onto these characters and thinking to myself, you know, how would I be acting or feeling in this situation? Um, you know, and putting myself there and especially with so many practical effects in the movie where these characters just barely make it out alive. And since we don't have that emotional connection to these characters per se, we don't know if they're going to make it out of each scene. They could easily be, you know, written out with, within a moment's notice. And that's another reason, Christopher Nolan cast relatively unknown actors is so that we don't have that attachment and we never know what's going to happen to these characters. And I I just, every time I watch this, I feel like I like it more and more. I think we are going to look back and look at Dunkirk and, or the dark Knight as like Christopher Nolan's masterpieces at the end of his career. And it's a shame that he didn't, even get close to winning an award for either one. He didn't even get nominated for the dark Knight. Luckily, I think he got nominated for Dunkirk, but I mean, just the fact that, you know, he missed out on those awards. I think we're kind of, kind of look back at both the dark Knight and Dunkirk of kind of like, how did he pull these off? And they're just masterpieces. So my number one drum roll, please. Any guesses? Uh, the dark Knight. Yeah. You're so correct. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. The yep. Dark Knight okay. has the Dark Knight and the Prestige have constantly flipped for me on this list of like number one and number two. There's something about the Dark Knight that brings you in the full action. Heath Ledger does an amazing job as the Joker and his performance is hard to match. I think no one will ever be as good as Joker. Yeah, I honestly, I I love The Dark Knight and it is, I think, will always be my favorite Batman movie. I was a big fan of Batman as a kid, you know, especially the animated series. And, and for me, this movie really summed up my childhood as far as from a DC Universe Batman perspective. 
But Austin, you honestly, you you have built a lot of hype around your your top two, you know, flipping back and forth. So I would love to hear your account of what what about the Dark Knight brings Austin in. So we're we're twins on this one too, right? Number two, Curtis. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, number two for me is the Dark Knight. So yeah, I I have a very memorable experience of like what theater I saw this in, how I felt after. I was thirteen years old. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the Heath Ledger performance is like the huge standout from the movie, and obviously, it probably stands out even more because he passed. Uh, but th- I remember in the theater, you know, he he like you know, he blows up the hospital and he hops in this bus and drives away. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, that's probably, it's probably going to be over soon. And then there's like another 40 minutes and, and it just kept going. And I'm like, and I just felt like I got more than my money's worth. That's like, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just like, okay, great. This movie has been awesome for two hours. I've just gotten so many action set pieces with an amazing score a crazy good performance from Heath Ledger. I'm like, all right, good. Uh, sign me up. I'm, I'm good. And then the Christopher Nolan's like, Oh no, hold my beer. I got another 40 minutes here for you. Strap in. And so for me, it's just ugh, the opening high scene alone has got to be, you know, in the top five, you know, opening sequences or opening high sequences or just high sequences in general of all time. Um, I know, you know, you can look at heat with that bank robbery is probably number one. Um, and there's a, you know, a bunch of others you can throw in there, but it was just so creative. I remember seeing it in the, in the theater, you know, when he kind of has each member of the crew, you know, kill another member of the crew getting down to the end. And, uh, it just was so creative. It was so fun to watch, you know, and, and seeing him rip his mask off and, and with the makeup and hop in the bus and drive away, blending in with the other buses and, it's just right there, you know, the first 15 minutes, you're like, okay, I'm in for, <laughs> I'm in for some crazy entertainment right now. And it does not let off the gas for the entire movie. I mean, we don't get any downtime of Batman being broken. We don't get any downtime of him, you know, going back to Wayne Manor that had just burned down from the previous movie and rebuilding. And it's just nonstop. From when the movie opens to when it finishes. And thank you, Christopher Nolan, for creating this amazing masterpiece. And again, the practical effects of just seeing a semi truck flip through the air. It, I just, even when I watch it to this day at my home television, I'm like, what am I watching? How did he do this? And, and then, you know, the improvs from, you know, Heath Ledger when he's in the jail clapping, you know, at Gary Oldman getting the promotion, you know, and that the iconic scene of, you know, him escaping from the jail and riding in the back of the squad car with, you know, the camera attached to the car and the head out the window waving his hair with the lights on. I mean, it, it's just incredible stuff. You know, and now that we've, you know, finished all of our lists, I just want to talk Nolan as a whole, I guess, really quickly. And um, something I love about Nolan is just how rewatchable his films are. You know, even though some of them might not be the most in-depth or, you know, Oscar Beatty type movies, you just always can rely on having a fun time, you know, a good time. It's, 
you know, something always interesting to watch, the practical effects, the, um, you know, unique nonlinear storytelling. And I just, I have a really fond relationship with his movies. Um, and you know, he's, I'd say my, he's definitely on my director Rushmore. Um, he's probably number two behind David Fincher for me. So I, I just want to speak to Nolan as a whole and just say, I really appreciate him and these movies he's given us. Well, that has been another episode of the Mind Over Movie Podcast. You can find us on Instagram. You can find me on Letterboxd. Uh, recently changed my name since the last episode, so you can just search Curtis with a K, Gibson, G-I-P is in Paul, S-O-N. You can find me there. Also, my Letterboxd hyperlink is in our Instagram bio page, bio spot. Austin is on Letterboxd under Austin Brishton. His name is in the title. Austin spelled normal. Brishton is B-R-I-S-T-Y-A-N. Did I spell that right? You did. And yeah, you can uh, go to my Letterboxd. I think Curtis and I uh, both just reviewed Malcolm and Marie, the newest uh, Netflix movie that came out this past Friday. So yeah, stop by our Letterboxd and see what we had to say. With that being said, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. We hope you've enjoyed it. You guys stay safe. Thank you so much for listening.